So don't buy options. No, no. Sell options. Let's go. Hey, Jim Schultz here with you guys for F-Cubed and livefcubed.com. And if you just came from our Don't Buy Options video, you know that one where I kind of left you guys hanging at the end? You were thinking, Jim, man, you really kind of left me hanging out to dry there at the end of that video, Breaking Bad style. Hey, fun little fact about me, your leader, your tour guide, I've actually never seen Breaking Bad. I've seen a couple of episodes, like random whatever is like here and there, but I've never watched it all the way through. So if that changes the way that you feel about me, hey, let me know down in the comments below. I would love to hear that. But either way, man, like today, right now, right here, we're going to write the ship. We are going to make amends. You and I, we are going to come together and be a team once again. Here's that better way. Don't buy options, sell options. Like, that's it. That's the secret. Now, naturally, there's a lot to that, right? I mean, the layers have sublayers, and the sublayers have layers of sublayers, and those sublayers have layers of sublayers. And so there's a lot of moving parts to this, without question. But just sprinting off the starting blocks here today, the most important thing is this. If you want to be successful using options in your portfolio, and I'm not talking about today, I'm not talking about this week, this month or this quarter, even this year. I'm talking about a career. Like I'm talking about over your investing time horizon. Like if you want to be using options successfully for some time to come, it has to come from the short side. It has to come from the short side of the options market. Sure, fine, buy some options here and there. You know, buy some spreads when volatility is low, like all that kind of stuff. Fine, I got it, no problem, no issue. I'm talking about the foundation. I'm talking about the, the, the core strategy that you are trying to employ. I'm talking about the fulcrum. Fulcrum? Yes, fulcrum. I'm talking about the fulcrum of your portfolio in a market that is largely governed by randomness and unpredictability, and it embraces the whole idea of the unknown, man, you've got to think about how you can strategically position your portfolio to succeed in that unknown environment. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Like, I know what is inside your noggin right now. Jim, my man, the markets are not random. Jim, my guy, the markets are not unpredictable. Jim, bruh, I know where price is going. All right, sure. Just humor me for a minute. Let's just pretend that you don't know where price is going next. Right? Let's just make believe that you don't know where price is headed next. Like just using our imaginations today, let's suppose just for a second that you don't have a fragment of a morsel of a breadcrumb of any idea what the market's going to do next. All right, well, in that world, again, hypothetical, I know you're crushing it. In that world, short options are going to give you two things that long options cannot give you. Time, working on your side, the calendar working in your favor, implied volatility, juicing that option price up a little bit, you know, that option price that you're about to sell. So let's talk about time first. So the way that we're going to approach the time aspect is actually pretty simple. There's obviously a lot of things going into this. There's a lot of other things that are happening kind of around this core discussion that we're going to have here today. But this is pretty simple, and it goes back to the core fundamentals, the core foundation of option pricing. Option pricing only comes from two components, intrinsic value 
and extrinsic value. Now, a deeper dive between those two is going to be the first thing that we have to put on the shelf here this afternoon. But we'll bring it back down later on on the channel. We will, dive, we will dive deeply into each one of those guys. I can assure you of that. But even still, right now, there is one simple relationship between intrinsic value and extrinsic value that is extremely helpful for us to understand the benefit to short options right here and right now. So intrinsic value. Intrinsic value measures the actual worth, the inherent worth of the option. Doesn't matter if it's a call or a put, it is the same. Does that option give you any benefit over the stock itself? If it does, then it has intrinsic value. All right, well, the only options that have intrinsic value are in the money options. So these are going to be calls where the stock price is above the strike price or puts where the stock price is below the strike price. So for example, with Apple selling at almost 133, a 125 strike call, it has intrinsic value. Like you can buy Apple for 125, the strike price, as opposed to the current market price, 132.72. Similarly, a 140 strike call has no intrinsic value. Like it still has a price, it still sells for something, which we'll get into that here in just a couple of minutes, but it doesn't make any sense for you to use your option in that case, buy Apple for 140 when you can go into the open marketplace and buy it for under 133. Well, same idea on the put side, but it's important to remember that with a put option, you have the right to sell the stock at the strike price, not buy the stock at the strike price. So let's say Tesla is at 667 and you're long a 680 put. That has intrinsic value. It has intrinsic value because you can sell Tesla at 680 when all the other plebs in the marketplace have to sell Tesla at 667. So it has intrinsic value of approximately $13 in this case. Well, let's say you were long a 650 put instead of a 680 put. Now, in this case, there is no intrinsic value. This option is not in the money. It is not giving you any inherent worth. Like, why would you go in and use your option to sell Tesla for 650 when you can just go into the regular marketplace with all the other common peasants and sell it at 667? So there's no intrinsic value here. And that's the basic idea behind intrinsic value. Now, those situations where the options are not in the money and there is no inherent worth, there is no incremental benefit to the long side of the contract. So these are going to be situations where, you know, your call strike is above the stock price, your put strike is below the stock price. You probably noticed that those still sold for prices too. Well, those prices on the options that are not providing any immediate benefit to the long side, those are pure extrinsic value. Because remember, Right, option price has to come from either intrinsic or extrinsic. So if intrinsic is zero, then whatever the option might be selling for, which is always going to be some positive number, but I digress, that has to be extrinsic value. Oh, and quick little sidebar, that situation where the option is not giving any immediate benefit to the long side, it's not in the money, that's referred to as out of the money. Now, if all this in the money and out of the money talk is all just gobbledygook and you're like, man, I am totally lost, click on that card above. It's either up here or up here, one of those two. There's a video that I've done on moneyness. Now, if the card is not up there, the video is not done yet, but it's being worked on right now. It should be up there very soon. Click on that card or that card and it will help you understand everything that we're talking about here. All right, so now we've established that an out of the money option, right? any option that is not in the money, it is still going to sell for some price and that price is gonna be pure extrinsic value. All right, that is very important. That is very beneficial for you to understand 
for no less than 48 different reasons. But here is what I want to focus on next. All that extrinsic value that is in that option, it has to converge on zero at expiration. It must do this. I mean, has to, like must, like 100% of the time, this will happen. Like Nickelback getting you fired up on the way to the gym or Nick Jonas getting you all kinds of amped for your AMRAP set of squats while you're in the gym. There is no situation where this doesn't happen. All right. So before you go getting all jealous on me, let's put everything together. You sell this out of the money option. Time is working on your side. Time is working on your side because all that extrinsic value, the full price of that out of the money option, it is on a collision course with, you guessed it, zero. The best possible outcome for you. Now, everything that we just described, it is more formally known as positive theta, but y'all know where that's going, man. We're going to put that right up next to the gluten-free breadcrumbs. We will pull that thing down in three to nine months. Now, just because you sold an out-of-the-money option, does that guarantee that you're going to make money? Absolutely not. Just because you sold an out-of-the-money option, does that guarantee that its price is going to converge on zero at expiration? Absolutely not. Because remember, we got that little intrinsic value factor. We got that little stick in the mud, also known as intrinsic value. So if the option moves in the money and it picks up intrinsic value, that is not going to help you as an option seller. Again, you got to be ready for the occasional gorilla smackage. Okay, so that's the time element. What about the implied volatility element? Well, implied volatility is determined from option pricing models, such as the Black-Scholes model, that go into determining an option's price. Inside of these models, there are a number of different variables, six to be exact, that go into determining all these different metrics that we use in the marketplace every single day. Well, one of those six variables is implied volatility, and it is actually the only input in the model that is unobservable. That simply means that you have to estimate it. You don't know what it is. I mean, it's right there in the name. It's implied. So step one, implied volatility is estimated. Got it. Step two, and this is the important part, the higher the implied volatility, the higher the option price. This is simple to understand when you just go back to the root definition of the word. Implied volatility. Higher implied volatility means wider potential fluctuations, means more uncertainty in the marketplace. That's what implied volatility literally means. Now, if we think of an option contract as a simple transaction between a buyer and a seller, which it basically is, the buyer buys the contract from the seller, higher implied volatility leading to higher option prices should make logical sense to you. With an option contract, call or put, it doesn't matter. The buyer is effectively paying for the potential for unlimited gains. Now, theoretically, right, essentially, a stock falling to zero isn't technically an unlimited gain. But I'll tell you what, if you're holding on to that put, it's going to feel a whole lot like an unlimited gain or loss as all my Peloton peeps know what I'm saying. So if you're the seller of that option and the buyer has the potential for unlimited gains, that means that you as the seller or me as the seller, we have the potential for unlimited losses. This is because as an option contract, they're set up as a very simple structure, simple being a relative term. There's zero sum games. Whatever one side makes, the other side loses and vice versa. Well, if you, the buyer, are wanting to buy a contract from me, the seller, in a stock that now has higher implied volatility, like follow this down the logic chain. 
This stock has higher implied volatility and now has a greater potential for huge moves and now has a greater potential for outlier events, right? These huge moves that could really hurt me, the seller, these huge moves that could really cost me the seller. So what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to increase the price of that option contract. Again, call or put, it doesn't matter. If you want me to take the other side of this trade in this highly volatile stock, I need to be compensated for that. I need to be compensated for that additional risk. So I'm going to jack up the price. All right. Well, here's the linchpin. This is like the fourth linchpin at this point. Here's the linchpin to the whole operation. Over time, implied volatilities, the metric that we've been talking about for the last however many minutes, implied volatilities have been consistently shown to be greater than the actual realized volatility in the marketplace. So while the market was expecting some range of X that was priced based on the implied volatility, the actual range in the marketplace that transpired was 80% of X or 85% of X or 90% of X or 67% of X. The realized volatility was less than the implied volatility. Now, again, to be clear, this is on average. This is over time, implied volatility being greater than realized volatility. Of course, there are times when the market actually ends up being crazier than it predicted itself to be, right? Where the range was X and it actually came in at 150% of X or 200% of X or 400% of X or whatever. But empirical research has shown that about 80-ish percent of the time, implied volatility is greater than realized volatility. The realized range, the realized fluctuation of the marketplace is actually less than what implied volatility predicted it would be. That in itself is an incredible result. Because remember guys, option prices are set based on the Black-Scholes model. If implied volatility goes up in that model, then option prices are also going to go up. If implied volatility is too high in that model, then option prices are also going to be too high coming out of that model. If implied volatility is routinely too high, what empirical results have shown, then option prices are going to be routinely too high. The option prices that we sell as premium sellers. So can you see the opportunity here? Like, can you see the potential foundation that you're building? It's basically like we sell oranges. It's basically like we're running a little orange stand on the corner and we sell oranges. And for our oranges, the fair value of one orange one juicy little navel is $1. The fair value is a dollar. The Kelly Blue Book is a dollar. The appraisal just came back for a dollar. All that stuff. But we are able to sell that orange over and over and over again for a dollar oh two and a dollar oh three and a dollar oh five on average. I mean, does that sound like a strong foundation to a portfolio to you? I mean, it does to me. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I'm just in this room by myself. So sometimes I'm not sure. But that sounds like a pretty good setup. Now, I know some of you are out there thinking, yeah, Jim, maybe. But listen, bruh, you kind of lost me back there a little ways when you snuck in that unlimited loss potential, just slid that guy right in there like I'm not even paying attention. I mean, I'm not really paying attention, but I did catch that. And you know, that is a fair point. That is a fair question. That is a fair criticism. But a wise man once said, for every gimme, there's a gotcha. And so if you have an orange stand with your oranges, your California navels, your Florida navels, your Montana navels, and you're selling those guys for $1.03 and $1.04 and $1.05, and 
and they're only worth a dollar, that is a pretty sizable gimme. So it's not going to be without its own correspondingly formidable gotcha. And yes, you absolutely will have situations where a huge move will cause a position to get away from you. You're going to have to take it. You're going to have to absorb it. You're going to have to, you know, manage it and navigate it. That's going to be very, very real. It's not going to be a theoretical construct for you. It is going to be something that you will absolutely experience. That is true. That is real. I am not going to sit here in my little studio and pretend like you're going to dance between raindrops your whole investing career, your whole trading career, and have that never happen to you. That is not a realistic outcome. But thankfully, there are strategies that we can utilize, that we can implement to help to reduce both the frequency and the magnitude of those huge outlier moves. And so they don't become nearly as scary as they used to be. Now, of course, right now you're asking Jim, bruh, hook me up, hook me up with those strategies. Man, you know, we are just about out of time. And so we're not going to be able to get into that here today. But all that stuff is coming. All that stuff is coming on down the chutes on the channel. So come back. We'll get to all that stuff. For now, selling options doesn't guarantee that you're going to be profitable. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to make any money. But man, you have time and volatility both working on your side and in your favor. That is a very, very strong and sturdy foundation. Just make sure you've got a fresh pack of underroos waiting at the ready to get heavily soiled from time to time. Man, you've got your short premium starter kit ready to go. So, hey guys, so that is it. I am so, so, so humbled. If you made it all the way through the video to this point, man, I'm like so beyond humbled that you took all the time to invest in my content. I really, really, really hope that you got some value from it. Hey, toss me a comment down below. Let me know if you already sell premium, right? You're already aware of this to some degree. Which of the two do you think is more favorable, time or volatility? I would really love to know which of those two you actually put a greater emphasis on. And then, hey, on your way out the door, if you want to like the video, you want to share the video with a friend or subscribe to the channel, all those things would help me out a ton. And I will see you guys next time.